Hey there, and welcome to a new episode of the Liberators Network podcast. I am Christian Verwijs, and in this episode, we're going to talk about sprint goals, and specifically, we're going to bust the myth that sprint goals are optional in the Scrum framework. It's probably one of the most important myths that we know. But before diving into the meat of this episode, I want to thank our patrons. Since our most recent episode, we received 11 new patrons, and that's pretty incredible. Barry and I are totally blown away by the number of patrons that are joining. It's just such a good feeling to know that you have our back in creating more of this free content. And in this episode, I would like to thank six new patrons. In the next episode, we'll give a shout out to the other six. The first one is Nasmarero Garcia. Thanks for joining. Mujabuddin Mirza, also thanks for joining. Shadia Gelap, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Thank you for joining. Raymond Verhoef, thanks. And Peter Zilka Gregor and Andreas Wittler, also thank you for joining. I'll put a link in the show notes if you also would like to become a patron. It's always nice for more people to join this community of patrons that are supporting us. Having said all that, let's move on to the episode. So here's a starting question for you. Does your scrum team use sprint goals? And if not, why? It's possible that your team finds it hard to identify a goal for the sprint out of the patchwork of items that's on their sprint backlog. It's also possible that the product owner doesn't know how, unable to balance requests from many different groups of stakeholders. In this episode, we bust one of the most persistent myths in Scrum, the notion that sprint goals are somehow optional, that they are a nice to have, but hardly ever practically possible. We will show in this episode that the reverse is true. It's very hard, maybe even impossible, to do Scrum well if you don't have sprint goals. Busting the myth. Let's begin by revisiting the Scrum Guide. It starts by explaining that the sprint goal is crafted by the Scrum team during sprint planning and is usually based on an objective defined by the product owner. The guide goes on to clarify that a sprint goal is an objective for the sprint that will be met through implementing the selected work from the product backlog. This selection is the sprint backlog. The sprint goal offers guidance to the development team on why it is building the increment. Instead of prescribing a format for sprint goals or how to craft them, the guide emphasizes that begin quote, the selected product backlog items deliver one coherent function, which can be the sprint goal. But the sprint goal can be any other coherence that causes the development team to work together rather than on separate initiatives. It's interesting to note that the concept sprint goal appears 27 times in the Scrum Guide. Of all the elements that make up the Scrum framework, only the words sprint, increment and done appear more often. Sprint sprint goals are also specifically referenced for the Scrum events. So sprint planning is used to create a sprint goal. The daily scrum is used by the development team to inspect their progress towards the sprint goal. And the sprint review is about inspecting the increment that resulted from work on the sprint goal, while the sprint retrospective is about inspecting how the work collaborated to make that possible. And to further emphasize the point, the scrum guide notes that begin quote, Scrum users must frequently inspect Scrum artifacts and their progress toward a sprint goal to detect undesirable variances." This helps us understand three important purposes of sprint goals. The first is that they give guidance during the sprint on the objective that the Scrum team wants to achieve in the sprint, 
as well as why that is important. Why does it matter to stakeholders that the Scrum team is doing this? The second is that sprint goals help the development team focus on what kind of work is important and what work is not important. The third is that they promote collaboration by giving development teams one clear purpose to work on instead of separate initiatives. Sprint goals create collaboration. So we now know that sprint goals are vitally important in how the Scrum framework is explained by the Scrum guide, but that doesn't immediately tell us why. Let's do a thought experiment for a moment and imagine a Scrum team that doesn't use sprint goals. There are some observations you're likely going to make and you may recognize them in your own team. The first thing you may notice is that the sprint backlog is a patchwork of items that is not really related in any shape or form to each other. It's just a bunch of work that the development team pulled from the product backlog during sprint planning. And the work on the sprint backlog represents different user groups, different stakeholder groups, different functional areas, or even entirely different products. And by doing so, the Scrum team is implicitly creating many different promises to many different stakeholders, and that includes the product owner. Another thing you may observe is that without there being a shared objective known both to the team and the stakeholders, the sprint backlog is likely what development teams implicitly are committing to instead. Each item on the sprint backlog acts as a promise of something to deliver by the end of the sprint, regardless of the value of that item. So instead of product development teams, Scrum teams are likely seen as feature factories churning out streams of unrelated features and product backlog items. You may also observe that without a clear shared goal and feeling some pressure to complete a product backlog full of unrelated items, there is no obvious incentive for people to collaborate. Instead, you're likely to see members of the development team picking up their own items from the sprint backlog and starting work on that. Self-organization will be limited, and members will remain or become increasingly specialized in particular kinds of items. These are the things they always do, so they will continue doing that. Another thing you may start noticing is that the daily scrum takes the form of a status update, where members of the development team simply announce what they've been working on and what they plan to work on in the coming 24 hours. In general, you will hear more talk of I than we and communication will be more about taking turns than actively developing strategies on how to work together. In sentences like, if we do this, then we can do that, and then I can do this. What you may also notice is that without a shared objective, and with everyone working mostly on their own items, members will complete their work at different moments during the sprint. And without a shared objective to encourage people to identify opportunities to help each other, they will instead announce they have nothing to do. Or they may start work on something that's completely unrelated to the sprint goal, maybe even unrelated to the product or the team in general. It's also possible that people start over-engineering work that they've already completed by adding bells and whistles that aren't really necessary and don't add a lot of value, but because there's nothing else for them to do, that's what they're going to spend their time on. Without a clear sprint goal and an objective for the sprint, it's also going to be hard to know who to invite for the sprint review. Although some stakeholders may show up to inspect individual items that were implemented for them, they also have to sit through all the other items that are being discussed. And without a way to explain the purpose of the sprint to stakeholders, other than we're completing all the work, it's likely that stakeholders will be increasingly less inclined to make time available in the first place. 
Something else you may notice is that during the sprint, unexpected problems, uncertainties and issues are likely to arise that require more time. That's just the nature of complex work. With time being a purposefully scarce resource in a sprint and without a clear and shared objective, the development team doesn't have guidance on how to decide where to invest time and what kind of work to let go of. It's likely that everything will be considered equally important or unimportant, resulting in even more uncompleted work. Another thing that we often notice is that people are likely to complain that scrum events take a lot of time and feel ineffective. And to some extent that makes sense. Without a clear and shared objective that ties all the conversations and the work together, the scrum events will be experienced more like meetings, where there's a lot of talking going on that is not relevant to everyone. And finally, what you may observe is that without sprint goals, each sprint implicitly has the same purpose, which is to complete all the work on the sprint backlog. That makes all the sprints the same, and can make people rightfully complain that sprints are artificial time boxes. Now you may recognize a lot of what's going on with this team from our thought experiment. And you're certainly not alone if you do. Most of the reasons why scrum teams and organizations struggle with scrum can be traced back to missing sprint goals, and behind that, not understanding the reasons for working with scrum in the first place. The Scrum framework proposes to reduce risks of complex and unpredictable work by working in small steps. Each step is a time-boxed experiment that helps us make visible what other work is necessary. The most useful experiments here are those that make us deliver something valuable to stakeholders and then to learn from their feedback. A sprint is essentially the smallest possible time-box for a Scrum team to deliver a coherent set of valuable features without losing focus. Instead, sprints are often understood merely as arbitrary containers to fill with work. Sprint goals are intended to help organizations break free from this output-driven approach, where the focus lies on efficiency and getting as much work done as possible by focusing on valuable outcomes and an experimental mindset instead. So let's explore what some examples of sprint goals are to see how this is done. Intermission. Examples of real sprint goals. Now, since we're talking about sprint goals, people often ask, so what should a sprint goal look like? And I'm going to give you three examples of sprint goals that we've used with scrum teams that we've been part of. And they're not perfect by a long shot, but I think they emphasize the message that we're making in this episode. So I would like to share them with you. We once worked with a scrum team that developed a product for flex workers, and this product allowed them to track time and then get paid for it. So the submitted hours by flex workers were validated by employees working for flex agencies and then processed for payment. And although we as a team had access to users and domain experts, we used sprints to learn how to build this product and to identify new features and additional features as we went along. And I'm going to share three sprint goals that we used for the first three sprints. The goal for our first sprint was, this sprint exists to set up our deployment infrastructure to deploy a secure and working login page. So we started the first sprint with an empty canvas, with only two weeks to go, that was our sprint length, and aiming to deploy to production continuously, we decided to focus on setting up and configuring all the required infrastructure first. And make sure to deploy a working login page as the smallest feature we could think of to demonstrate that it was working. This also required us to implement OpenID and secure the application, because when you're deploying to production, it needs to be secure. 
So for the second sprint, our sprint goal was this sprint exists to use test the interface for entering hours. For our second sprint, we were eager to test our ideas for creating a more user-friendly hour registration interface, one of the competitive advantages that our product was going to have. Now going into the sprint, we only had a rough sketch from our designer. So we pulled all the required work for this interface from the product backlog, which included design, testing and deployment, that we could complete in a single sprint. However, we very quickly discovered that creating the interface was a lot more work than we expected. So we worked with the product owner to narrow the scope of the sprint backlog and decided to focus only on entering hours for the current week and not for the previous or the next week. Now that we'd spent the second sprint to create at least a first version of the interface to enter hours for the current week, we wanted to use our third sprint to expand the workflow. So the goal for the third sprint became this sprint exists to allow Flex Agency employees to validate the hours submitted this week by Flex workers. For the third sprint, we wanted to expand the workflow by allowing employees from Flex Agencies to log in and validate the hours that were submitted by Flex workers. During the sprint, we encountered many issues with the authentication platform we used, OpenID. Members of the team swarmed on these issues, with an, a member from another team eventually also jumping in to support it. Eventually, we resolved the issue. Now, development on this product continued for another 16 sprints and the product is still in use. None of these examples are perfect. These are sprint goals that we created for a real product with a real team with a real product backlog. And that's fine. What they did do, however, is create coherence in the work that we did as a development team. They illustrate how sprint goals are not a result of a sprint backlog, but also the starting point. Before starting development on the product, we already spent time with the team to identify likely objective for the first sprints. That was not just the first one, but also the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth. And the further we went into, into the future, the less clear the objective was, but we always made sure to think ahead, basically determine objectives for upcoming sprints. So I hope this example clarifies what sprint goals can look like and how they work and how they create collaboration within the team. Reasons for not having sprint goals. Up to this point, we've seen how important sprint goals are to Scrum. And Almost everyone we talk to, all the Scrum Masters we work with, the Scrum teams we work with, everyone understands generally why sprint goals are a good idea. Yet, most Scrum teams don't use them. And there are many reasons that people give us for not using them. Here are some of them. The first one is that product owners don't have the mandate to decide what goes on the product backlog and in what order. Instead, they are required to pass on feature requests or issues from stakeholders and since there's no order in that, there's also no point to having sprint goals. Another reason is that product owners don't have a vision or a strategy for how to deliver their product incrementally. If they have a vision like that, that would guide the formulation of objectives and sprint goals. But since they don't have it, there's no point. The third reason is that scrum teams often struggle with the formulation of objectives and sprint goals when their product backlogs span thousands of items. How do you decide what's important when you have product backlogs that huge? Another reason we sometimes hear is that scrum teams are too large. That makes it difficult for stakeholders and product owners to keep everyone busy. And they're basically constantly scrambling to get enough work on the sprint backlog to keep everyone occupied. 
Another reason is that scrum teams may work on different products or different projects at the same time, and that makes it hard to identify a singular goal for a sprint. It's also possible that sprints are too short or too long, and that makes it hard to define a concrete, tangible goal that can be achieved within a sprint. Another reason we often see is that scrum teams are organized as component teams. So you have teams that are working on specific layers or components of an application, like the database, a specific web service, or the user interface. And that makes it hard to create sprint goals that explain the functional purpose of a sprint, because the team on its own is incapable of delivering a functionality that's complete. They are only addressing a single layer of it. Another reason is that during sprint planning, scrum teams often start with the sprint backlog and the work they selected for that, and then try to reverse engineer a sprint goal from there. And finally, some teams do work that is not suited to the time-boxed and purpose-driven nature of sprints. For example, support teams that are responsible for many different products or services probably won't benefit from using sprints as value creation time boxes. Now there are many more reasons and we just addressed some of the ones that we hear the most. And you may find yourself, your scrum team and your organization using one or more of these reasons. Save perhaps for the last one. Each of these is an impediment to working empirically. It's important to make that land. Some tips. Suppose that you find yourself in a situation a bit like the team from our thought experiment. What can you do? The first thing is that it's important to help product owners think in terms of objectives for sprints and then turn those objectives into sprint goals together with the scrum team. And that can be challenging. But taking this challenge head on instead of ignoring it is vital to working empirically with scrum and to create high-performing scrum teams that actually reduce the risk of complex work. We found the following tips helpful. The first is to help product owners plan ahead by identifying potential objectives for the upcoming sprints. One thing we like to do is to ask product owners to tell us the story of their sprints, and that can go something like, first we will achieve objective A, this will allow us to achieve objective B, and then we can do objective C, and so on. Then we identify what items from the product backlog or should go on the product backlog to make those objectives possible. Thinking like this helps shift product owners and teams more into a strategic mode on how they're going to deliver their product incrementally than in thinking about all the individual items that are necessary for delivering it. Another tip is to use the liberating structure nine whys during sprint planning to help scrum teams determine the purpose of the sprint. You can use the items at the top of the product backlog and keep asking why are these important to you, to our stakeholders? Simply keep asking why until you reach a core purpose. And it's quite possible that you'll have to reorder the product backlog with that objective in mind. And that's fine. That's something that you can do during sprint planning. Another tip is that you can ask powerful questions to help your product owners dig deeper into the why of their decisions. Like if the entire product backlog was lost, what would be the first thing you would bring back at this moment in time and why? Or what do you hope this objective makes possible for stakeholders or in this organization? Or what opportunity would be lost if we don't do this item this sprint? We have an entire episode of the podcast and a blog post dedicated to more powerful questions and I'll add the link to the show notes. It's also a good idea to make your spring goal transparent. 
You can do this by hanging it in the team room on a visible spot or by putting it above the sprint backlog or your scrum board. Roman Pichler has created a nice template that you can use for creating sprint goals that can help you do this. I'll put the link for this in the show notes. It's also helpful to begin every scrum event by stating the sprint goal and then tying it to the purpose of the event. So we would start a daily scrum by reiterating the sprint goal and then we would ask, so what have we been doing together the last 24 hours to work towards the sprint goal and what will we be doing the next 24 hours to make progress towards the sprint goal? Another tip is not to worry if you can't relate all the items on the sprint backlog directly to a sprint goal. Sometimes there may be a compelling reason to do some work this sprint even though it doesn't align very strongly with the sprint goal. This could be because of a planning issue or an external dependency. However, be skeptical of accepting such work though, and always ask what is lost if we do this next sprint, or how will we make sure to keep focus on the sprint goal if we do this one thing that has nothing to do with the sprint goal. And finally, if your work does not involve software or product development, the Scrum Guide also gives you guidance by stating that a sprint goal can be any other coherence that causes the development team to work together, rather than on separate initiatives. In other words, find sprint goals that offer guidance during the sprint and promote collaboration in your team. Let's move to some closing thoughts. When teams start working with Scrum, working with sprint goals is often at the very end of the list of things to do. Most of the Scrum Masters we meet in our classes and work admit that they don't use sprint goals with their teams. It's often experienced as something that's just too hard, too difficult, and sometimes impossible in our organization, as people put it. It's easier to start with the roles, the artifacts, and the events. In this podcast, we showed how sprint goals are an essential and integral part of how the Scrum framework helps teams to navigate complex work. By its very nature, complex work requires teams to continuously make decisions about what's valuable, what to spend time on, and most importantly, what not to do or to let go of. Sprint goals offer much needed guidance for these decisions, and without them, the whole framework unravels. Scrum events lose their purpose, Scrum teams have little reason to collaborate, and organizations don't start to think in terms of value. The lack of sprint goals, a singular purpose for a sprint, is one of the biggest impediments facing Scrum teams today. Although creating them is initially sometimes incredibly hard, it's exactly the kind of challenge that Scrum Masters should go looking for. We encourage you to do so. And with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. I hope you learned something new about sprint goals and how important they are to the effectiveness of Scrum teams. If you liked this episode, if it was valuable to you, please like it, rate it, or give it a thumbs up on whatever platform you're listening on and maybe share it with friends that may also benefit from it. If you like what we do, please consider a donation. We're happy for whatever you have to share. Barry and I create most of this content for free, and it's a nice way to find more time to create additional free content like this. Having said all that, I really wanna thank you for listening and hope to see you again for the next episode. Have a great day, take care.